Hi friends, it's Kayla Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How's everybody doing today? Happy Thursday, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever day or time you're listening. So happy to be back with you guys. I cannot believe we're already in August and I can't believe I go to New York next week. I have so much to do before I go on my trip. I have a lot of work to do. I have podcast pre-recordings to do. And I have a lot of events going on and a lot of calls with people, a lot of networking. And next week is going to be all about networking and meeting with clients and people. And I just, I feel like August is off to a really, really good start. And I like joked about it yesterday. Is it because I did that? It's the first of the month TikTok audio. Let me know if you guys know what I'm talking about. But it was the first time that I've since I've seen that audio go around the last few months that I finally remembered to do it on the first of the month. And yesterday was just such a great day. I had meetings and like errands to run in the morning, but then I had a call with a director of a big program at one of the local law schools that is really inspiring and something that I wish I would have known about when I was going to law school that one of my friends is in and him and I just connected and he reaffirmed that the path that I am on, the idea that I had of combining my social media background and my lawyer background and being a lawyer for influencers and creators, he reaffirmed that that I'm not crazy for wanting to do that, that I am on the right track. And he gave me ideas of things that I could pursue to continue to build my business in that area and how I can build a name for myself and get credibility. And that with a couple of calls I have throughout this week just fellow mentors and creators and other lawyers and networking events that I am going to this week and obviously next week in New York at the conference and I just I'm like feeling that August is off to a really really good start. I did a yoga class yesterday and it was just what I needed. It's something that you know being a dancer my entire life I'm not moving my body anymore and I used to dance every single day until I was 17 years old And then I danced a little bit in college, like sorority competitions and things like that. But truly, I haven't danced in probably like six years. And my body is stiff. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the wear and tear. I'm feeling it in my joints. And I'm really glad that I'm I'm starting yoga again and really just taking time to take care of my body. And I really need to work on the nutrition side of things and eating healthy again I got off of that routine when I moved back home and it's really difficult to start because I'm not on my own schedule anymore now my family eats all together at the same time and my grandma cooks and it's not always the healthiest food but I'm trying to get back into it little by little baby steps and the the first way that I did it was I started journaling again and just having a gratitude practice and yoga and honestly both have just been incredible for me and my mental health and you guys know I got back on medication and you know hot girls take their meds shout out to pants are in for that episode and I remember listening to it a couple of months ago and being like okay I see the value in getting back on medication and I know it's going to be a little bit of a struggle but you know I see the value in it and I still didn't do it and now that I've done it for about a month I'm just like, why didn't I do this earlier? Like I needed to have done this a long time ago. So I'm really happy. I'm like, you know, being back on my meds has been such a game changer for me and having a gratitude practice and taking care of my body. Saturday, I went to another yoga class with my, I went by myself 
you know, my friend was supposed to come and she didn't make it, but then I met up with her at the farmer's market and then we went to the beach and it was just such an incredible day. Hung out with her while she got ready for a date afterwards and I came home and ordered myself a pizza and watched some TV and called it a night and it was honestly one of the best Saturdays I've had in a really, really long time. And then yoga yesterday and today I got a facial to prep myself for a day of wearing a week of wearing a lot of makeup next week and you know getting a haircut on saturday and i'm just doing all the things to take care of me and feel good in my body and it feels really really good and you know nail appointment all the fun stuff and then my gratitude practice just you know having the call that i had yesterday and debriefing after with my friends of just how far i have come and how incredible it is to be reaffirmed in my idea by someone of this caliber and just talking about that and then connecting with people on social media and listening to podcasts today about with people that are doing incredible things that inspire me that I want to be a part of and having them share their knowledge and their wisdom like that is something I am so so grateful for you guys know I say it all the time this podcast I wouldn't be who I am today had I not started this podcast and started having these conversations And I'm just so grateful for social media to allow me to have them in the first place. Allow me to be a fly on the wall listening to other people have these conversations. And it was, I'll link it below. It's Peyton Sartin's podcast, Note to Self. Shout out to her again. I really am enjoying her content right now, especially on the podcast. And it was with Maggie Sellers about angel investing and how she got into it and how just a regular person can get into it. You don't need to have a finance background and... It was just such an inspiration to me and like these are the people that i want to surround myself and that i do surround myself with on a smaller scale and it's only growing and evolving as i grow and evolve and it is so special you know i had um megan on the podcast you guys haven't heard her yet but we recorded a couple of weeks ago all about women and knowing their finances and investing and being smart about their money and why it's so important and why wellness isn't just mental and physical it's financial wellness and financial literacy and you know i texted her today i was like i redid my numbers and i saw what my net worth is and like i'm preparing to get an advisor to help me start investing my money and i'm looking into all of these vehicles and all of these different things and it's just she was so proud of me and just having people like that in my corner i just Like I said, August is off to a really good start. I had potential client calls. I had other networking calls. You know, I'm just, I'm putting a lot of feelers out there. I'm doing a lot right now to see what sticks. And I'm I'm feeling really, really excited of where it's all going and where it's leading me. And one of my big things for 2023 was to be more present and in the moment. I have my intentions right here. Actually, let's talk about them. You know, drinking lots of water, mindful movement, resting during the week, you know, so I don't burn out. I'm trying to see what other ones. Let's see. Goals for 2023. I have my little notes app next to me. Invest more. Get an IRA. Literally what I'm working on right now. I'm I'm working on these things little by little. More confidence in my career path and in myself discipline trusting myself and little by little doing those things networking building a career i love i really see myself doing that and you know i just feel really really good right now i think i still have my worries i still have my fears you know had a mental breakdown last week but 
I'm happy. And someone today, I talked about this on TikTok, someone I went on a date with early into law school reached out to me this week to for my help on a project and my legal services. And he was like, I'm willing to pay you. I just want an hour of your time. And I was like, yeah, of course. I haven't talked to this guy since we went on that date. And what for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And it was so nice to reconnect. And he's like, you were, you hated the world when we first went out. And now like you seem so happy and I'm so proud of you. And like, I love seeing this. Like, however I can be of service to you, let me know. And I was like, dude, same. Like, I love this. I love that I can reconnect with people now in a different phase of my life and they see my growth and my value and I can see that in them. And like, these are the people I want to be surrounded by and that I want you guys to be surrounded by. And I want to give you guys the tools and the opportunities to have that. And that's the whole goal with the podcast and everything I do on social media. And I know I talk about this a lot on the podcast, but it's just something that I feel really called to and really inspires me. And that's the whole goal with this. Let's get candid about what inspires us and how to go after our dreams and our goals because anyone can do it. I believe in you and we can do it. Just gotta, you know, put in the time, put in the work and believe that we're capable of it and that we deserve it and that we are worthy and then be open to what comes our way. I'm really glad that I get to be on this journey with you guys and share it with you guys as well. So let's do a quick suck and sweet of the week and then we'll dive right in to this week's guest. My suck of the week, this weather. And my Wi-Fi has been really, really shoddy because of the weather and that's just been a really downer. For every call that I have, the internet is just terrible it sucks and i'm i'm over it like can the wi-fi please work and then i go drive around in fpl which is our like electricity like people here in the city um florida power and light they're always out fixing the towers and i'm just like of course and it's it's summer it's rainy season and my suite of the week is what i was just talking about earlier like overall where i'm at in my life and just having this gratitude practice and being more present and in the moment and yoga is definitely helping with that too but just recognizing the little moments that make life worth living and all of these opportunities that are coming my way and just taking advantage of them and seizing the moment and just i'm going with the flow a lot more i'm just enjoying life a lot more and i see that it the return on investment in that is is paying off and i'm really really excited and looking forward to where where it takes me and of course sharing it with you guys like I said and this week's guest is someone that I'm honestly when they reached out to me I was like who is this like what is this but then I had a call with her a discovery call to see you know learn more about them see if there's something I'm really interested in having on the podcast because you know a lot of people reach out and I'm like I don't know who you are and this is my safe place and then I learned about Everyday Armor and what their mission is and Kaylee's mission as the founder and I was all for it because as women we struggle a lot with you know unfortunately we're gonna be objectified in sexual harassment and you know needing to defend ourselves and we don't really get taught that in school or at all you know that's something that's really meant to be taught at home but not everyone teaches it and you know unfortunately oftentimes we have all been at some point you know in a situation where if we would have 
known about self-defense or been more aware of our surroundings and more vigilant, maybe we could have prevented situations. And so when Kaylee reached out to me or her team reached out to me to talk about everyday armor and host a self-defense class with my community, I was all for it and super excited to have this conversation about what is self-defense and why it is so important. And I love that Kaylee goes around the country and teaches it to a lot of times sororities, just groups of women in general, like anyone can book her to come and teach a self-defense class to your team, your coworkers, whoever. And I just, I love that because, you know, having grown up in Florida, I didn't go to FSU, but FSU was a site of Ted Bundy sneaking into a sorority house. And we all know Ted Bundy and, you know, there's just so many stories of, you know, guys at bars and the way men approach us and just feeling unsafe and insecure of telling a guy that we're not interested anymore and how they're going to react and being fearful. And that's just not a healthy way to live. But having Kaylee come and explain what the three different types of self-defense are and why it's so important and the value of these classes and we're going to do a virtual class at some point i am honored that i get to share this on this podcast because it's not something that i've talked about publicly but i have been in those situations and i'm very very lucky that i was able to get out when i did and i'm grateful for my friends and my coworkers and having a support system because i know that i was lucky And I go into that with Kaylee. We both share our stories, but it's such a powerful conversation and I'm so honored that I get to have it and that you guys get to meet Kaylee at Everyday Armor. And I highly recommend if you are in college in a sorority, take this to your leadership, take this to your exec board and say, hey, I think this is something that we should invest in for our girls. Or if you are on a team at work and, you know, same thing, because you know, if I had employees, I would 100% do this. And it's something that I, I'm really, really like passionate about. And, you know, I didn't even realize I was until talking to Kaylee about it. So I'm really excited that you guys get to listen in on this conversation. I get to introduce you guys to Everyday Armor if you didn't already know them. And yeah, if you like this episode, please leave a rating and review. Please subscribe to the show, share with a friend, tag us as you're listening. Let me know who you want to see next and what you want to hear next. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode and your August. I will talk to you guys next week. Meet Everyday Armor. So Kaylee, what's something people wouldn't know about you just from following you? Mm, Something people wouldn't know about me. You know, ironically, I feel like it's more of kind of like a in my brain thing, but I, you know, I talk a lot about like not caring what the wrong people think. And I feel like people wouldn't, you know, especially who have taken my classes before would think that I have that skill like so perfectly mastered when in reality, I teach it and I emphasize it so much because it is something that I still have to really work on within myself. So I know that one was, that's like kind of deep for the first question. No, I I would say that. No, I, that's why I love this question because some people don't, but a lot of people go deep right away. Mm -hmm. And like, it just makes it so much more fun for me. And like, it's like a cool, we can just dive right in. And that's what I love about that question. Yeah. Um, And I can completely relate. I have always struggled with caring what people think and not feeling like I'm good enough. And that has in turn caused a lot of my self-esteem issues and my confidence issues and imposter syndrome. And a lot of my faults and my my issues in life can be traced back to those feelings. And mm-hmm. 
no matter how much I learn and grow and heal and like how confident I outwardly portray myself. And it's not that I'm faking. Like I genuinely am a very confident person. I know who I am. I know what I like. I know what I'm worth. I, what I deserve, all those things. Like you still can't help but feel like, damn, like what are they think talking? What are they saying about me? Or like, do they, do do they like me? Like, you know, it's just such a, yeah, like it's hard. Like that doesn't really go away. It's Mm -hmm. so hard to remind yourself, like it doesn't matter what people think about you and like, it's okay like it's it's just such a perception thing and like we're so caught up in like how people perceive us but what matters is like what we think about ourselves but yeah I I can relate to that one a lot so no I'm glad I think it's almost hard to like when when you're really self-aware and like you know who you are when you get that feeling like I know we talked about like you're like an energy person and I'm the same way like I can pick up, up when something's off with somebody or you know like oh my gosh this person didn't wish me happy birthday this year like is everything okay you know And because I think I have that like so much self-awareness and that like very sensitive perception to things, to me, I'm like, wait, but I know what I meant by this. And if somebody's misperceiving that, I want them to know where I'm coming from. And and if I did something wrong, I want to change it. I want to work on myself. So it's like, it gives you so much anxiety sometimes, but you know, it's finding that balance between like, okay, how is this skill helpful versus when is it like really harmful and actually like deteriorating my mental health? Yeah, no, that's, I'm the same exact way. Like I, I, I've been talking about this a lot. Like I'm such a giver Yeah, and I give to so many people and I give so much of myself because I'm just naturally that way. But then I always feel like, damn, like no one ever gives to me. Like I don't do it with the expectation that it's going to be returned. Like that's not at all why I do it, but it would be nice to have some reciprocity, you know? And I just, sometimes I feel so drained that I'm like, I'm doing so much for everyone else. Like, when is it going to be my turn? And I was actually talking about this with my mom. Yeah. Like over the weekend, like I need to like, maybe not like, even it's okay to think about someone and like shoot Mm -hmm. them a text, but like, it's okay that it doesn't become a conversation or they don't respond or you know, or even if I know that someone is going through something, but I'm also going through something, like it's okay to not reach out to them because you can't give right now when you're empty. And mm-hmm. it's just like that energy exchange and like wanting so badly to like be a part of something and be there for people and help people. And yeah, like I have the self-awareness to know that I am that way. And like to remind myself that it's okay to not do what my instinctual like gut feeling is you know mm-hmm. sometimes because it's gonna hurt me even though like that's supposed to be a good thing you know yeah. it, it's only a good thing if it's not hurting me and well, I think the idea of reciprocity is really interesting too because I like I've totally had that debate in my head before where I'm like okay I shouldn't expect things of people but then I'm in this relationship or this friendship or even like a family dynamic sometimes and and it's like okay I'm giving and I'm giving and I'm there for you but I don't feel like I have that same support or that same understanding or you know, that same level of communication and it's, it's hurtful. Like, especially when you realize, you know, kind of to your point, like if you're just constantly reaching out to somebody and they're never reciprocating that it's like, okay, but what am I getting from this friendship? You know, like I'm constantly doing all these things, X, Y, Z and there for you. But I'm, if I'm not getting any of that back, like this isn't like a a friendship or relationship that's serving me. Yeah, no, it's, this is something that I think so many people girls especially like young girls like in their early to mid 20s and definitely teenagers and I'm sure it happens even in their 30s and like beyond like that Mm -hmm. go through this and struggle with this and feel like they're so alone and like they they don't want to burden their friends and they don't want to tell people what's wrong because they don't want to like you know other people have something going on in their their lives too and it's like I I I, that's me like you know that's why I love having these conversations people knowing that 
I'm not alone and that other people can relate to it. And that we all have that fear of like, not all of us, but a lot of us have that fear of not being good enough or not being liked. But I think there's ways to channel it productively and use it as a motivator. Like for me, it's like, I say like outwardly, like, I don't care what people think I'm going to do it anyway. And that's true. I a hundred percent am going to do it anyway. Yeah. But deep down it does. Like, I do still want people to like me. I do still want people to care and be interested in what I'm doing. But I know that deep down, if it's meant for me, it's meant for me and it's right. And I'm going to pursue it regardless. And like, I channel that negative energy into something constructive sometimes. And that has propelled me a lot to where I am today. And I think using that energy that instead of spiraling, if you can be self-aware enough to gut check yourself and use that energy in a different way and channel it, it could be something really great. And I think that's something that I really want to talk more about and like use this podcast as a resource to do so and that's why I'm really excited to have you on because you founded a company that the whole goal is to empower women and Mm -hmm. I want you to talk more about it so can you introduce like everyday armor for people who don't know what it is and what your goal and mission behind it is yeah and I and I love that we're starting this conversation off with such an important point because it really like you said so many women struggle with this and I don't I think people forget or maybe don't realize how much, you know, being confident in yourself and putting your foot down, like you said, you know, even when it's uncomfortable and you still might maybe have that fear of what, what are other people going to think of me? What are they saying? But you still are doing those things, you know, you need to do or putting boundaries with people where, you know, they need to be placed or, you know, whatever it is, we all have that fear of what people are thinking, but still being able to do the things, you know, you need to do and like knowing who you are as a person. And to, you know, just give a little bit of background about everyday armor. I, I think that that's a lot of it for me was where this came from and realizing how important that was. You know, I had so much martial arts training as I grew up from third grade until I was 18. And it, it helped obviously, you know, with my physical confidence, just being aware of my body feeling, you know, empowered to go do things by myself and be independent. But I think that one of the core things I realized I struggled with in college was that fear of what everybody thought of me and not doing the things that I felt like I, you know, or that I actually did need to do or feeling like I need to be friends with certain people in order to be cool or, you know, whatever it was. And and that really got me into a lot of trouble. And that's kind of for me, you know, post-college as I started to really realize this for me, it was okay. Yeah. I want to teach self-defense to people that don't have a lot of experience or, you know, maybe aren't interested in going to take martial arts or self-defense courses as much much as I'd encourage it and really adding that mental aspect because it is so crucial. It was crucial for me. And when you really sit and look at the bulk of situations, young women are most likely to actually encounter. Typically they're with people we know to some extent. So having that mental component is so important. And, you know, for me, I love how you said when things were kind of, you know, when they aren't going great, or maybe you have some of that like negative energy pent up, you, you know, really kind of channel it towards something that's productive for you. And that's exactly how I started everyday armor. I was going through stuff, you know, with my family and I was just in a really unhappy place. I didn't love my job. So I was like, okay, how can I distract myself and do something more purposeful after I'm done working for the day? And that's just kind of how I gave birth to, you know, everyday armor and what it is today. So I think that is, it's so important. How can I channel this anxiety or this negative experience and make it something that's not only helpful for me and therapeutic and kind of cathartic, but also can help other people. Yeah. I think 
it's such a like confidence like it's like I feel like it's almost like a buzzword like everyone talks about it now as like this like mental aspects or like something that's gonna like you have to be confident like it's gonna heal all your problems like it's really hard to have that confidence but also that confidence leads to like you were saying like it's a lot of these situations it is people we know and just being like aware of our surroundings and being confident in who we are and how we carry ourselves and how we respond to people into situations and being sure of ourselves to Mm -hmm. not be put in situations that could possibly harm us later and that's all like part of confidence and something that you you and I talked about when we first spoke a couple weeks ago was that there's three different types of of self-defense can you explain what the three different types are and why they're important yeah, and I and I love that you point out how difficult it is to build confidence because that's literally the first thing I talk about in any of the classes we, you know, do with college women. And, and I'll say, you know, this is like the pinnacle of safety and self-defense. And I know it's so corny, but so many people think that they have a lot of self-esteem or confidence. And, you know, you and I both, as we've both spoken about, like we have confidence, but sometimes it's that inner confidence that can can be kind of tough and everybody does struggle to some extent. But you know, it's, we think we have it mastered when it's really something you have to constantly be working on. Yeah. But um, yeah, so there's mental, situational and physical self-defense. Those are the types that we teach. So, you know, and again, I know this is just like, <laughs> we're regurgitating this word, but confidence is really at the core of all of those, you know, having the confidence to physically fight back, even if, you know, of course your perpetrator is most likely going to be bigger than you, but still being able to do something and, and not, second guessing yourself and still fighting back, trying as hard as you can not to go to a secondary location, you know, all that kind of stuff with situational self-defense. When we're in any kind of active environment, you know, portraying that confidence physically, whether it's having your head up, your shoulders back, walking with a purpose, you know, a lot of those things, it's the first thing that people are going to see and perceive about you. So just having that situational confidence and then, of course, you know, as we've, as we've kind of been diving into with the mental aspect, having that inner self-esteem and confidence really kind of secured for yourself. Yeah. And like when we were talking, you said that the mental and the situational is actually the more important of the two than the physical. Because, And I think because most of the time, if you have the other two, you can avoid getting into the part where you need to use the physical aspect mm-hmm. of it. So how do you teach these, like in these courses that you do, can you talk a little bit about what those courses look like if someone wants to take them and like, how do you teach these three different types of self-defense? Yeah. So typically, you know, we, we do work with a lot of like college campuses. We do private groups, virtual stuff, and, and every single class you take with us is, I mean, it's laid out the same exact way. So we start with that mental component, really kind of the most important, crucial part of our curriculum. Then we'll move into the situational piece and we finished the last third of the class with the physical part and with the mental stuff you know a lot of it is again really establishing like how do I build confidence and self-esteem why is that important getting selective with the people you keep around you how to read people's intentions you know whether that's somebody you know extremely well or somebody that maybe you don't know as well tactics people use that you can identify to really tell if somebody's trying to control you manipulate you or even groom you for something And then we'll look at how to handle confrontation. I know that's something a lot of women are almost like socialized to struggle with because we don't want to be, you know, quote unquote, bitchy or rude or aggressive, you know, all those, those buzzwords. And, and then we'll look at if, you know, I am in some kind of, kind of verbal altercation with somebody, if, 
God forbid somebody's holding a weapon to me. What are some different things I can use to try to de-escalate that situation, bring that perpetrator back to their prefrontal cortex in a more heightened state? And that's kind of, you know, how we wrap up the mental self-defense portion. Then with situational self-defense, we're really just walking through every aspect of being in a situation that tends to elicit a general feeling of anxiety, discomfort, or just feeling downright unsafe. So, you know, as women, one of the biggest ones I hear is typically walking by yourself at nighttime, whether that's a college woman walking across campus, maybe that's, you know, somebody running errands and having to walk to their car, having a late shift and walking through a parking lot, walking into your house, you know, whatever it is. And then we do that physical portion. But with our curriculum, we really, you know, we really try to make these things as as digestible as possible for people who have very little to no experience because, you know, we we want everybody to have some kind of tactics that they can use. And truthfully, if you're not practicing practicing this stuff regularly, it's going to be really hard to recall in a fight or flight situation because you don't necessarily have that muscle memory and you're not used to being put in compromising positions. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, we're that bridge between somebody with no experience and somebody that's going to go take regular courses. So that's kind of the general layout of the class there. Yeah. I think I love too that you do these virtually and that because you do them virtually, you are able to have these other aspects of it than just the physical, Mm -hmm. um, like the mental and the situational part. And I want to type like dive into like some type of situations and kind of like what your tips and tricks are for getting out of those, um, like the different scenarios, but for the physical aspect, like how do you teach that virtually? Like, yeah. Is it like a, like, is it, and also, is it like, I don't know, like, is, is this like a, take up like a workout class type of like physical like aspect or like, how does someone get into the mindset of like, okay, like now I'm going to like learn physical like maneuvers, especially virtually. Yeah. Good question. So when it's in person, we'll kind of make it a little bit more active. So we'll run like line drills. We'll do, we practice something called getting into base and we'll typically, you know, get the heart rate up with that a little bit, but it's not a super physically intensive class. It's more of kind of a, an interactive conversation and mixed with a little bit of lecture with the physical part though, you know, we do look at different places to strike a perpetrator. So maybe I can't remember, you know, a four or five step move, but what I can remember is, okay, that's right. Take seven pounds of pressure to rip an ear off, you know, so like, you know, those little kind of tidbits. So we'll go through eight effective areas that we recommend to start, start off with striking a perpetrator. We'll look at just basic different escapes. And when it's virtual, we'll have somebody that's demonstrating with us like on our side. And then we really do encourage people to sign on with somebody, whether that's like a friend, family member, whatever it is, even a significant other. And then um, from there, you know, we do also have hybrid classes where people will gather in person and then we'll facilitate that in-person course virtually. But um, yeah, some of the classes just kind of look different, but really just focusing on what's a watered down, simple escape I can use and where do I strike a perpetrator? How do I yell for help? What are some misconceptions about yelling for help? All that kind of kind of tips and tricks. Yeah, I, I honestly, when you reached out to me, I was so excited to have this conversation because mm-hmm. I think it's so, so important. And I love that you really like encourage people to like do the mental and like the aspect of it, not just like, you know, because we all know like, you know, if you see, feel a guy touch the back, like, you know, grab him behind your, like behind your back, like with your arm, like, um, or, you know, like 
different things like that, but it's just, it, it, I don't know. Like, I think having these virtual classes where you can like teach them like these like misconceptions or strategies or tips to actually do them instead of just the maneuvers, because yeah, like you said, like, we're not probably going to remember in that moment this whole elaborate routine of how to protect ourselves, we're, we're freaking out and we're looking Mm -hmm. around, like, does anyone see what's happening right now? Like, is someone looking out for me? And nine times out of 10, like, sadly, like we are the only ones looking out for ourselves. So having that, that mental aspect of it, um, Mm -hmm. could you share like some of those like different areas? You said there's eight different places you teach like to strike a perpetrator and like, yeah, like share some of those and like some of like the more common, like simple maneuvers that are effective. Yeah. So in our classes, we really look at like if somebody comes up from behind, that one's a pretty basic one. We, you know, again, we try to water it down as much as possible, thinking about again, somebody with no experience, how are they going to respond? What are things that they can hopefully grasp at to use in that situation? And and I do want to say that like I'm not discouraging going and taking regular courses because that is like the most ideal thing, whether it's self-defense or even jujitsu, Krav Maga, you know, something where you have that consistent experience with these things. Yeah, but, but I like know, that this is an introduction to it. Like if that's yeah. really daunting right now, like start with this and like work your way up. And I think just I, I would argue that even this is the more important step. Like, and then once you have this part down, go for the physical aspects. Yeah, because like you said, you know, so much of it isn't just physical, especially the day in, day out stuff. But um, but yeah, so with the physical, you know, one thing we'll learn, like if somebody grabs you in a bear hug, right, they're going to probably grab like this to make it as tight as possible. So we always say identify if you can a top hand. So if their left hands on top, identify a finger on that top hand. And then from there, you're going to try to break one of their fingers to pry off their grip. Now, with perpetrators, sometimes it's going to be hard to get access to their fingers. So if this was the case, one of the prime places we teach to strike is obviously going to be the groin area. We, you know, yes, you can strike it. Everybody kind of knows that. Another thing that we add on to that is grabbing, squeezing, and twisting a ball. Now, when you do that, it can actually create testicular torsion, which is a really very uncomfortable experience for them. They can actually lose a ball. So, you know, looking at those different kinds of things and just reaching behind you when you're going to break a finger, knowing the directions to pull those fingers to break them as easy as possible with the pinky, you know, it's your smallest finger and there's a, a pressure point on the outside of your hand. So it makes it a little bit easier to break that finger. And this is gross, but you can actually bite through or rip a finger just as easy as you would bite through or rip a carrot. So, you know, just kind of having the little tidbits about your body, knowing those things, grabbing and squeezing the groin area, as opposed to maybe, you know, if somebody has you from behind and it, they're really close to you, it could be hard to actually have enough space to strike that area. So, you know, just kind of those types of things. We'll also look at ears. I know I mentioned, you know, if you grab onto an ear and yank down as hard as you can, it typically is going to take about seven pounds of pressure to rip an ear off. So, you know, lots of places to strike and just knowing those things, you know, the temple, if you hit somebody hard enough, we teach if you don't have access to, you know, classes for a tactical item, if you haven't taken one yet, picking up a steel water bottle and carrying it around with you. Or if a baton is legal where you live, carrying around a, a retractable baton and striking somebody in the temple to make them pass out. So, you know, just kind of thinking through what are realistic, quick, easy, bite-sized physical self-defense techniques you can kind of just have in your back pocket. Yeah. I think we all like know like the main one is like to kick them or knee them in the balls, but mm-hmm. I don't think people like, yeah, like you might not be able to have room to do it. So I think that's a good one. The ears, mm-hmm. interesting, the, the fingers. 
Um, also like an- another one that I've heard a lot is like going for the jugular or like gouging their eyes out. Mm-hmm. Um, which that one to me is like the one that I'm like, that's the most like, oh gross yeah. to me I don't want to well, do and, that and honestly it's so hard because I mean we like we can talk about it but I mean truthfully unless you're able to like anchor your hand to somebody's head it's going to be pretty hard to get access to their eyes because their first instinct if they see something coming at their eyes is going to be to close them right so you yeah. have to be able like you know if somebody had you pinned to the ground or you know if somebody had you by the neck maybe then you could actually anchor your hand to their head and use your thumb yeah maybe you could go in for like do you take your two fingers to the outside but you know really again just like being honest about, Hey, this, you can use this, but think about these things when it comes to using that, or maybe when you would or wouldn't use that technique. Yeah. Do you, like you said, the baton, like, do you recommend people to carry pepper spray or a taser or mace or anything like that? I love this question. It's see, this is where, you know, self-defense, I think it's so easy to make it so black and white for us. So we make it very gray, which can be very helpful sometimes, but also confusing. So when it comes to tactical items, a good rule of thumb we always teach is if you don't have experience with it, do not be carrying it, especially something like pepper spray. First of all, I never recommend pepper spray, always pepper gel. Um, we, you know, we have, we, in our Amazon favorites, we have linked to the Sabre pepper gel which we really recommend. It's going to shoot a lot further. It's going to, even if it's like raining or if it's windy, it's going to be a lot easier to actually use and go towards a perpetrator instead of blowing away from them. Uh, But, you know, when you're using especially pepper spray, there's so many women with no experience yet they carry it. And if you think about it, in a real situation, you're aiming on somebody who's going to be taller than you, right? This person's coming at you. You're aiming at a very small surface area. If you accidentally hit their ear or their their throat, their chest, that's not going to be effective. And now that person has closed the gap between the two of you. So make sure you have experience with that. I'm not discouraging the use of tactical items. I'm encouraging the use of them with practice. So, you know, know them so they don't get misused. If you don't have any experience with something, that's where we recommend, you know, steel water bottle or a baton with those kinds of things. It's not as hard, you know, to swing something at somebody. It's typically just kind of ingrained in the way that we move. It's easy to do. And that's kind of where we say start off, especially, you know, again, we work with a lot of young women that might be running errands. Maybe, you know, they are in college walking across a campus. It's very easy to just carry a water bottle with you. And most people do it anyways. Yeah, no, I agree. I I don't carry anything because simply because I don't know how to use it, but I always have like a metal water bottle on me. So yeah, um, yeah, I know that like that's a weapon or my purse, like, or, mm-hmm. you know, throwing a shoe if I can get my shoe off, if it's like accessible or some, or a textbook, if you're on campus, like carrying a textbook. So yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really great advice that if you don't know how to use it and maybe don't carry it because yeah, you lose time in the trying to get it off if it's brand new and you just bought it and you just hooked it up and you've never actually like opened it and like you don't know how to do it like you're you're gonna run out of time like then it Mm -hmm. defeats the purpose of having it so yeah I think I was teaching a class at Florida State this year and this girl raises her hand we were talking about tactical items and she's like my dad actually made me like take out my pepper spray and and practice using it and she was like and when I went to spray it I mean this is like one in a million right but she went to spray it and part of the the pepper spray sprayed back at her and it like misfired so it's just, you know, it's a good kind of anecdote that we don't always know, right? So just at least have some practice using it. And a lot of times you can find courses for these things that are very cheap, if not free. And 
you know, good place to look is typically going to be like a police station or even some gun ranges will offer these type of classes. So just get familiar with what you're carrying so that it doesn't, you know, hinder you or get used against you. Yeah, it's funny. Speaking of gun ranges, I was actually talking about it with my dad and my brother that I don't plan to carry one and I don't want to carry, but I want to know how to use one in the event that it's accessible to me in that situation and I'm able to use it Mm -hmm. um, to protect myself. Like I would never like reach over and grab it from somebody like if like holster or, you know, but if it's on the floor because I knocked it out of their hand, I'm able to reach it. Like Mm -hmm. I want to be able to fire it properly. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure that I'm protecting myself in the process, but also making sure like I hit them enough to be able to run or whatever. So, and he was like, yeah, like I definitely want to take you to a gun range and like learn how to do it. Like, you know, little things like practicing darts to like aiming, being able to have good aim and like throw something that is like darts are sharp. Like if you're at a bar and you have a dart in your hand, like that's effective to yeah. some extent, you know, or like even, you know, if you're just like carrying that. your water bottle, you know, and you happen to let go of it. Like, can you make sure that you make contact with that person? Because truly there was actually another girl, um, university of Alabama. We taught a class like years ago to Theta and this girl was, t- we, you know, we talk about using the steel water bottles and she was like, there was a hydro flask sitting on a desk and like no force, but it just fell off the desk and landed on the back of her head and it split her head open. So, you know, you think about something like that and then you think about swinging something at the side of somebody's head, it's going to be extremely painful. And, you know, like you said, you know, if you have that aim and you practice at least that, you know, you're not going to miss. Yeah. No, those things are heavy. Those, I don't know how people carry them. Like this Mm -hmm. weighs if it's full, but it's not as heavy as a hydro flask. Like those mm-hmm. simple modern bottles, but the hydrofoils are heavy. So yeah, that yeah is they are. Your weapon. Oh yeah, um, especially like those. Bi- I mean, I have like the. I think it's like forty ounces, and there's some that are bigger than that. I'm like, I can't imagine carrying anything bigger than that. It doesn't fit in any cup holders. It's just no, like sometimes kind of a excessive. That's yeah. excessive. Um. Also, with for me mentally, like totally, like side note, like I drink. I remember to drink more water if I have to fill it up. Yes. If it's already just sitting there, like I'm not gonna like, but if it's like, okay, it's something that I have to continuously get up and refill. One, I get me up and moving. And two, it like I know I'm drinking water at that point because I had to go fill it up. No, there's so. something about the satisfaction of like finishing a bottle of water. Like oh, even shame. if you just like sometimes like I'll just have like these water bottles, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I finished. Okay, I'm gonna go get another one. And I, I don't know, it's just like something about completing it. I don't know. No, same. I'm the same way. Um but yeah, I know. I think it's so smart. And I like that like you said, like, this isn't, this isn't going to replace taking physical classes, but mm-hmm. it's a good introduction to them for someone who is a beginner and doesn't know where to start or they're daunted by it. Cause you know, they may think like, I'm very small. I don't weigh a lot. I can't like, I'm not going to be able to do anything. And like, obviously that's what these courses are meant to teach you. But it's, again, it's the mental aspect of it, knowing that if you know how to conduct yourself and carry yourself in a good, in a, the right way, you're mm-hmm. able to be a lot more effective than you think, but you have to believe that you are um, yeah. going back to that mental aspect of things. Um, well, so no, and I, I think like, I remember, you know, back in college, there were so many situations that I got myself into purely because I didn't know how to confront things. I didn't know how to trust my gut. I felt invincible or I was hanging out with the wrong people. So, yeah. you know, like you said, that, that the mental aspect, people just really don't place enough emphasis on it. And I think especially as young women that are trying to find their way or trying to figure out who the hell they are, you know, it's, it really 
it's such an important aspect of safety. Yeah, no, I I can relate. We talked about this last time, like in college, like there was just so many in high school, even like so many situations that I put myself in because I was insecure mm-hmm. because I didn't know my own worth. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't trust myself. And, you know, looking back now, like I don't regret any of them because they made me who I am. But I look back and I'm sad that like I felt so whatever about myself to put myself in that situation. And I don't want people to feel that way. And I think it's, I I love that you go to college campuses across the country and teach that to people because especially sororities, like that's such a great place to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. because it's, I don't know, like call like bars and like frat parties. And like, you think they're your friend and they want the best for you, but you don't know, you truly never know anyone's intentions. And also it could go from like a really great situation to a really bad one in 2.5 seconds. And you didn't even see it coming. And, you know, and it's just so important to, to be able to, like you said, like have the confidence to get yourself out of that situation. And if trusting your gut, that's such a big one, like getting that gut feeling of like, this doesn't feel right. Like I'm going to take myself home. And then now being like, okay, I want to go home. How do I get home? Mm -hmm. Finding a way, like if you have to leave by yourself, because for whatever reason, knowing, okay, it's dark and I'm going to be walking across the street by myself, like that I'm aware enough to be able to walk by myself, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, like so many of my situations were just like, I wanted to be cool, you know, or like I, you know, I wanted to hang out with the cool crowd. And so I, and then I would drink and I would like, Overdrink, and I, you know, had everything happen from passing out on a beach and getting all my shit stolen because I was drunk to, you know, I fell like when I was getting out of a pool and I completely bruised my entire leg from like my knee to my ankle, like bad. And it was just like stupid stuff where I look back and I'm like, you didn't need that validation from those people. You know, you, you're a good person. And, you know, just really kind of finding your, your people and not being afraid to confront things or put your foot down or not have to go to everything for fear of being, you know, boring or, whatever it is, because you're going to find your your people when you start doing that stuff. And, you know, yeah, obviously that's not going to prevent everything. You know, to your point, if you're at a frat party, you could be with your best friends and there are just people out there that don't have any boundaries or have bad intentions and shit happens, like life happens, you know? So that's why it is important to have that physical part. And, you know, like you said, we're the introduction, we're that gap. And then if you can go take those consistent classes, so you do have that in your back pocket for those, you know, really shitty, horrible situations that unfortunately we have no control over, you know, but really, you know, even just for your mental health, having, being able to navigate different friendships or relationships and knowing to your point, what you do deserve in life. And it's very easy, especially if that wasn't modeled for you to, you know, put up with things that, you don't deserve. Yeah. No, I think so much great stuff in there. And like with your friends and frat parties and like even now going out in your early to mid twenties at bars, like, you know, knowing like, how can you tell when we're talking about this off air, like how can you tell when someone is just trying to approach you to be friendly and wants to talk to you versus like they are putting the moves on you, but in a way that isn't like good intentioned and like, you need to be wary of them. Like, how do you like, what are some social cues that you teach for women to be more aware of like, okay, maybe they are trying to manipulate you or groom you or gaslight or whatever you want to call it. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you tell the difference between like someone genuinely coming up to you? Like, Hey, can I buy you a drink? Like, or 
something else. Yeah. So I think, you know, first and foremost, the big one's body language, right? You know, you're going to be able to tell, especially, unfortunately, when somebody's drinking, especially with men, you know, they're going to be a lot more touchy. They're going to be closer to you. There's, you know, there's a lot of that body language and those gut instincts that, you know, most of us pick up on. It's just sometimes uncomfortable to respond to them or, you know, whatever it is. So that's why it isn't, you know, again, important to have those confrontation skills. But some, you know, what we really kind of like to focus on are different tactics that people will use when you're out and about, maybe not even at a bar that do demonstrate, hey, this person maybe doesn't have the best intentions or just kind of knowing those things. And a big one, unfortunately, is foot in the door, which can also be really hard to identify. And the idea here is somebody's kind of, you know, you can think about it like literally, you know, getting your foot in the door, like catching a door, starting to talk to somebody, kind of, you know, priming them, and then you're leading up to a larger ask. And we actually had this happen to a girl and she shared her story actually on our podcast, like the entire thing. But basically last spring, she was at a mall and she goes to University of Delaware And there were three women that had approached her and they started off by complimenting her and then kind of just asking a little bit about her. And, you know, it's, it's not wrong to talk to strangers, right? Again, we live in that gray area. Like you can be a human being. You can be, you're not going to meet people if you don't talk to strangers either. So yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, and she like, she didn't share any wrong information by any means, but they did gather enough information to kind of lead her to this next part of their pitch. So they found out that she went to University of Delaware and was president of her sorority. So at this point, they were like, hey, you know, we actually have an organization that's for college women and we'd love to kind of tell you more about it. So they pull out their phones. They're showing her this information. And as this is happening, the mall was actually starting to shut down. And they were like, hey, we'd love for you to stop by our car really quick just to grab some some pamphlets to pass out to your sorority sisters for our organization. So, you know, if you stop somebody and like cold turkey, just ask them, hey, want to come with me to my car to grab pamphlets? Like every red flag goes off, right? With this foot in the door technique, it's very easy to kind of, you know, prime somebody, have this organic conversation, smaller requests and bids leading up to this larger ask that they ultimately have for you. And people are trained to do these things to get you to really kind of unsee those red flags. So, you know, we teach women, if somebody's approaching you and you just for any reason feel off about it, have non-negotiable emergency excuses you've already thought through that you can use in those situations that, you know, tell somebody, hey, I don't want to have this conversation. I have to get to this. You can't sit and barter with me. I'm leaving. Now, if you're somebody who feels very comfortable just saying, I'm not interested, I'm leaving, you know, and you and you can be assertive. That's ultimately, you know, what we're looking for, what, what we want people to work up to. But sometimes that's just not, you know, what people feel comfortable with doing. And again, you know, there's kind of, it's that bridge between being able to really be assertive and feeling uncomfortable with it. So yeah, yeah just kind of looking for those kinds of things. Or, you know, I know sometimes people use the opposite effect, which is door in the face. So let's say somebody is coming up to you. Maybe you are at that bar in that bar setting and they're like, hey, I like, I'm so obsessed with you. Like I would marry you tomorrow. And in your head, you're like, that's a red flag. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And, and they're like, I'm, I'm totally messing around with you, but like, I'd love for you to come to our after party. You know, it's like, here's this extreme example of what I'm asking for where you're like, okay, that is just like, absolutely no. Right. And you're kind of almost taken aback by it. And they're like, no, no, no. All I'm asking for is this ask so that it's like, You know, when you're looking at the comparison between the two, it's like, oh, well, they're only asking for this, right? But again, it's a tactic they use to minimize that ask. So just kind of, you know, having your your guard about and really, like you said, just tapping 
tapping into that gut instinct that you have with people and more importantly, knowing how to respond when things don't feel right for you. Yeah. No, it's funny that you mentioned like the goal is to be the, to be the, like, I'm not interested, leave me alone person. Like I'm, I am that person, but there are times where, or situations where like, that's not like, I need to play dumb or like, Mm -hmm. you know, ease into instead of just straight up being like aggressive, like I'm not interested because that might set them off more. So it's also being able to gauge like the right approach. Um, I'm a big fan of the fake phone call. That's usually yeah. my go-to of like, oh, I'm sorry, but someone's calling me. I got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and like well, if you think away. about it too, if you use that, like really, it's sometimes like to your point, yes, being assertive is really great. And that is what we're working up towards. But there could also be moments where like, you've told your friends, maybe I'm tired, I don't want to or whatever, or I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. And they just keep pushing. And I know that I was sometimes this friend in college where I would push and push and push and like try to barter with people. But if you have an excuse, it's presented. It's like, okay, that, there's no wiggle room there. Like that's like this person can't do it because of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. But I think going back to like how you respond, like I think like you were saying, like some people, like you could be with your closest friends and it could still, a situation could end up going badly. And oftentimes it just, you know, you want to see the best in people and you want to believe that everyone has the right intentions and everyone is a good person and they, you know, they want the best for you. They care about you, whatever it may be. But it's also like, you know, good, bad things happen to good people. Good mm-hmm. things happen to bad people. Like it, it's just, you know, that's life, like you said. But, mm-hmm. you know, what you what matters is how you respond to it and how you handle the situation. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is to prevent it. But what are some ways? Well, first, I want to ask, like, what are like some confrontational tactics like that, like that you eventually want girls to work up to? Um, like, if a guy comes up to you at a bar and like you just like immediately get a bad feeling, but you know, like if you're like, I'm not interested, like go away, like they're not going to take it. They're going to like take that as an invitation to keep trying. Like, how do you get them to, and you can't leave, like your friends or you're with your friends or you don't want to leave, but you want him to leave. Like, what can you do? Yeah. So I think that, you know, again, if you are in that position where you feel assertive, you come I mean, you could literally just tell somebody I'm not interested and oh, a lot that's, times, that's my approach. <laughs> it is going to hit their ego a little bit and they're not going to want to keep pursuing that for the most part. Now, if it is a situation where they're getting kind of progressively more, maybe it's even like just verbally aggressive with it and still pursuing you as much as maybe you don't want to, you need to put distance and obstacles between you and them. So, you know, a good one just to kind of take a breather, get away, maybe have your girlfriends come to regroup would be either to I mean to leave Or you can just say, you know what, I'm feeling sick. I'm going to go to the bathroom. You know, removing yourself from a situation, letting there be distance there. They they can't come to you in the bathroom, you know, and hopefully you've gone out with people that will come to the bathroom with you and kind of rally around you in that situation. But again, that's where just having those non-negotiable emergency excuses really comes in handy. And emergency doesn't mean like, you know, family members in the hospital. Maybe it does, but it doesn't have to. It's, you know, I'm feeling really sick right now. That's an emergency. Something needs to happen right now. And I'm going to go to the bathroom. You know, you're giving them direction. It's non-negotiable. This is what's happening right now. And I can't prolong this. So just, you know, again, looking to put distance and obstacles between you and them. And especially when it comes to dating, you know, I know a lot of girls use dating apps or whatever it is. I know you said, you know, faking the phone call and to make these things even more comfortable for yourself, 
you can even prime these situations. And I know we're talking about like lying here, but truthfully, they're lies that don't hurt anybody. They just help you and yeah. put your safety first and foremost. So, you know, I'll always tell girls, if you want, you get on a date with somebody or I mean, shit, even when you're talking to somebody at the bar, like, Hey, you know what? One of my girlfriends is doing X, Y, Z, and she might need me. So just kind of be aware of that. You're at a bar, you don't feel comfortable, have your girlfriend call you. If you're on a date, hey, you know what, my ex-girlfriend or my girlfriend's meeting up with their ex and he's kind of known to be explosive or, you know, whatever it is. And she might need me to go pick her up. I, I don't really know, but yeah, I just always wanna, like, have a second, like another plan after. Like if the date is going badly, like you actually have something to do. And if it's going yeah. well, like, you know, you're cutting it short because you don't want to stay there the whole night either. And mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't agree with like the two hour date rule. Like if it's going well, it can be longer than two hours, but also like, yeah, like spend all night with them, you know, kind of thing. Like make sure you do at some point leave and go do something else. But Mm -hmm. yeah, having that alternative, that second option is great. I always like tell my friends like what I'm doing, like where I am, like some of them have my location, obviously, but like, now I'm going out to dinner. Like I may not tell them who I'm with, but I'm letting them know mm-hmm. like I'm out to dinner. So if I do call them later, I'm like, I need help. They're not like, where, where, what do you mean? Like they, they knew like, okay, like they'll put two and together. Like, oh, she was out to dinner. She needs help. Like, okay, probably something's wrong. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed like with guys at bars, like even with my friends, like I, I notice that if a guy is like talking to me, approaching me and I'm not comfortable like I'm thankfully I'm really good about putting like removing myself from this situation. I like the girls usually that I'm with, I mean, and like not always are they like my best friends, but like you would think that like just by virtue of being like to out together and all being girls, like you would think that they'd be like paying attention. They don't. They like yeah. they keep talking to each other or they're talking to somebody else, like they're not paying attention to you. And it's like being just more re- vigilant. Like you can be talking to someone and still be keeping an eye out, like and even tell them just like, oh sorry, like I'm not not ignoring you but like I'm just making sure like she's okay but like please keep talking like you know I notice that I'm always watching out for my friends and like how they are reacting to people around them but Mm -hmm. I don't find them doing that for me and like again it goes back to the beginning of like feeling like I'm a giver and I feel like don't people don't really reciprocate that it's like maybe I'm just naturally that way where I'm perceptive and like I care a little too much which hurts me but I also kind of wish like I kind of like would rather be that way because you know, at least I'm, I'm doing my part to help people and protect them where I can. Yeah. Um, well, and I think too, you know, with, I mean, being in fight or flight with alcohol, it's really hindering your access to your prefrontal cortex, which, you know, is prompting you to stay more in tune with what's happening around you and stuff. So I think a lot of it too, comes down to how people respond with alcohol. Like I have, you know, a couple best friends that I love to death, but I know that if I'm not going out, like my boyfriend's not going to be there. I'm not going to have another one of my girlfriends there going out with them alone is probably not my best bet because I know that they're not necessarily going to be super tuned into what's happening to me at the end of the night. So, you know, you could just have different, different friends for that. And I think, you know, a big thing there too, is what are our intentions going out for the night? Cause I've had those friends before. I've been that friend before where you maybe are going through a breakup, you're upset and your intention is to mask the pain and to have a good night, you know? So if that's the intention and you're kind of your mindset going into it as somebody who's maybe feeling kind of more nervous, like I, I've been there before where you're like, okay, this person might kind of go off the rails a little bit. What am I going to do? Like, what's my plan for the night? Because they very well may not be with me at the end of the night. And as much as you want to protect your friends, sometimes there's 
there's a limit first, on what yeah. we can do. Yeah, totally. And even that could, that could help them. Like, how are we going to get home at the end of the night? Am I going to set a ride up? Am I going to, you know, whatever, am I going to make sure that maybe I'm not drinking as much? So I still feel safe in that setting in so I can help them out in it, that's it's just I mean drinking sometimes is such a, a sticky situation because everybody responds so different and sometimes you can't even tell you know maybe you've had three drinks but maybe a friend has had like six drinks and you know you're just on totally different wavelengths there yeah no that's such a good point of yeah I always like I, I'm a big fan of having like different friends for different things and mm-hmm. like knowing like always like what's the vibe of the night like are we is this a chill happy hour like we may go to a bar afterwards because we're already out or is this like dinner and a drink or is this like are we going clubbing and like oftentimes like one of them could lead like happy hour and dinner and drinks could lead to clubbing but like and that's okay but Mm kind of knowing like this was a girl's night like we are going clubbing but like it's still girls night like we're going home together like I'm not leaving the bar with anybody or like I do want to go home with someone tonight just letting you know so like make sure you get a ride like because I will not see you at the end of the night, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be like having that plan ahead of time and like knowing how you're getting home or if you're sleeping over or like whatever it is. And also like, I tell people like what I'm doing. Like the other night I like a friend, I went to literally, I did this. I went to dinner and drinks with a friend. And then Mm -hmm. I had another friend's graduation party. He came with me from dinner and drinks to the graduation party. Cause it was like, we could walk. So we walked over and then I was like, Hey, like, you don't have to stay anymore. Like, I'm good now. He's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go home. Text me when you get home. So even though he was already asleep, I texted him when I got home. So he knew that I got home. And then the morning he was like, I'm glad you had a good night. Like, glad you got home. Say, like, did you have a good night? And I told him, I was like, actually like this situation happened. He was like, how did you handle it? Like he checked in to make sure that like, I was okay with the situation. I was like, that is so nice. Like that's rare that people do that. And I try to do that for my friends. Like, you know, like, oh, you're like, what are you doing? Oh, you're going out instead of being like, damn, I wish I was going out too. It's like, I mean, I might feel that way and I might still say that, but I'm like, let me know if you need a ride. Like I'm not going out tonight. Or like, if you need anything, call me like whatever, maybe. And the the next day, like, how was your night? Like Mm -hmm. just checking it to make sure like if anything did happen, they are okay with it. Even if they don't tell me like how they respond, I can gauge like whatever happened, you know? And I think it's so important of just being, you know, and I don't think like, you don't have to be best friends to do that with people. Like some girls are like, she's not my best friend like I don't care about her like she's just like a friend of a friend it's like I don't know that's not my mentality I'm like I'm I hate sex being the mom friend sometimes but like sometimes I do limit my own fun because I'm so worried about everybody else yeah but someone has to be that person and I just hope one day that I do have a friend or a significant other who does that for me so I don't have to do it for me and everybody else but no, having- it can definitely be like burdening to kind of feel like you are that that role in the group, you know, and I feel like everybody can think of like that one friend, or maybe they are that person. that's like, yeah, that person takes care of everybody, you know, and it, it really does. Sometimes it's, it's like, it feels a little burdening, not feeling like you have that always reciprocated in the same capacity, you know, and especially, you know, and that's where when it comes to confrontation, or like, if somebody's upsetting you, and you've had this like happen repeatedly, and they've constantly, you know, kind of maybe left you out or they've, you know, I had a roommate in college that I love her to death, but she's like, she like wasn't washing her dishes, you know, and I I let it build and I let it build and build and build. And then I blew. So it's like, okay, how can I confront this the first time it happens? And you know, if that person gets upset with me and they don't want to be friends anymore, like, okay, bye. You know, if I've weeded somebody out, they're not my kind of person and that's okay. That's going to help me get to that group of people that really are for me. You know, maybe it's finding that group that's really tuned in every time you go out that like, you deserve, you know, if you're giving that, like you deserve that in, in return too, you know? So 
it's, and that's where I think that sometimes we have this idea that if I could start confronting things, I'm going to be left with nobody in my life. And it's like, no, you know, if you're putting all this energy and effort into a relationship or friendship, that's not serving you or like, you know, contributing to the things that you need in a relationship or friendship. If you weed that person out, that gives you now so much more time and energy and probably a lot of peace because you're redirecting that towards the people that are most like you. That's the thing that I had to really learn to be able to do. And it's not comfortable, especially because when you're confronting something with a friend, like you're opening yourself up to not be liked. And we actually do this drill at the beginning when we're talking about confrontation and I'll ask people, okay, really quick, close your eyes, put your heads down, raise your hand if you've ever encountered somebody. And this is someone you don't know very well. And you've just met them. You've had a few conversations, a few interactions, and you were like, you know what? I don't like that person. I don't care to get to know them anymore. They're just not my kind of people. And without fail, whether it's a class of five or 500, every single hand goes up. Like you're no, just going to, people are not going to like you in life, you know? And it's not personal all the time. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. And I'm glad you shared like the statistic of like that, no matter how big the class is, is everyone raises their hand. But yeah, I think it's so important, especially with friendships and like surrounding yourself with the right people and like knowing like, okay, like this person's left me out at the bar a couple of times or like when I needed them, they weren't there or they weren't receptive or whatever. Like you don't necessarily have to completely cut them out of your life, but maybe don't go out with them that much or like don't go out with them at all. Like you can do other things. Like also we're at the age like where everyone like social life means like going out and happy Mm -hmm. hour and going to get drinks like I personally like don't need to get drunk to have a good time like Mm -hmm. I like let's go for a walk let's go co-work together or let's go to dinner and have one drink but we don't have to go crazy or you know just yeah like knowing like different friends or different things different like days or different occasions like different vibes like and and always just being like aware of where you are and who you're with like knowing the type of people that you're with especially if they're new and you don't really know them that well being even more cautious of mm-hmm. them um until you get to know I think them we get they- so caught up in this idea too that like and you see especially whether it's influencers or whatever it is where they just have all these friends and this huge group of people and it looks so good on the outside when in reality there's probably a lot of drama in that group and and maybe, you know, and not all the time, but I just, I don't think it's, it's not natural to have that many people in your life that you're tr- truly tuned into. You know, typically we have about, what is it like five people that you're actually close to or have the capacity to be close to or friends with. So, you know, and if you have a relationship, they say that that typically takes up about two people. So, you know, it's, there's so much pressure to have this extensive group of people, but you don't need to. Like, I'm not somebody that has this like huge group of friends that we do stuff together every weekend. I have my individual friendships. They can all come together and, you know, everybody pretty much gels pretty well, but I like, I don't have this extensive group that we have to do everything together. And sometimes when you feel that pressure, it feels like you have to put up with shit a lot more when in reality, you don't have to get along with everybody and it's, and it's okay. You know, and like you said, you can have some acquaintances where, Maybe you catch up with them once a year. Maybe it's on a girl's trip or maybe it's just going out for drinks, but that's just not one of your people because they, maybe they're fun to go out with, but there's not a lot that you're getting from that friendship, you know? So it's, it it just, I don't know. They're, they're just, and I mean, I even feel that pressure sometimes when I'm looking on scrolling through TikTok or whatever it is. It's like, oh, oh yeah. shit. You know, it's do I, human do we need to have a bigger social way. life? <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally human to feel that way. And yeah, I always so desperately wanted the friend group because that's what society tells you is like success. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not I, like I have a lot of acquaintances. I like I say like 
I, I can talk about a friend four times in the day and they're all four different people. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of friends, but they're acquaintances. I just, yeah. you know, I'm going to call them my friend because like calling them my acquaintance is weird, but <laughs> like two close friends, like I yeah. can on one hand, like that be my ride or dies. Don't get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. I have people that I tell like important things to that aren't in that ride or die, but it's for their friends for different things. Like I have a lot of guy friends that I've known since high school or college mm-hmm. or even law school that like, they like see me like a little sister. So like, mm-hmm. I know if I'm having boy problems, I can go to them or, yeah. you know, or if they're having girl problems, they come to me like, but that's not my best friend. Like it's mm-hmm. just different. Like, and you know, yeah, not everyone's going to like you and that's okay. And that's not a reflection of who you are as a person. It's just not everyone's like, look, like there's a saying, like, why, why do you want so badly for everyone's life? Like you don't even like everybody. Like we're so desperate for acceptance and wanting to feel wanted and like we belong. And that's something I do struggle with myself, but you know, then the more, you know, yourself and like, and truthfully stand up for yourself. You know, if you have a friend, I mean, I've done things to people. I'm sure, you know, as I've gone through my life, they were, they're like, you know, that's, I don't really care to be friends with her. And maybe it was a mistake that I learned from, but you know, that person doesn't really want to associate with me anymore. We are all going to have those people. And that's, you know, one of my least favorite things is when people talk about like, oh, that's a toxic person. It's like, dude, we've all been toxic to people before in our lives. Like, you know, and there are genuinely toxic people out there. Yes. But it gets so easily tossed around when, you know, you are just going to have people that don't bring out the best in you. And you're going to have people you don't like throughout life. But the more that you start to get to know yourself and become comfortable with who you are, you're going to confront different situations and stand up for what you deserve. And you're going to weed people out. You are going to have quote unquote haters. I mean, shit, you could post something on the internet. Nobody knows you even remotely personally, and they don't like you or they have something to say about you. And it's just, I mean, I think if you have haters, you're doing something right. It means that they're jealous. They're jealous. You have, they, you have something that they want Mm -hmm. and you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, or, you know, maybe, why maybe you just don't agree on things. And like, that's okay. You know, I know I'm the kind of friend where I really need like hardcore loyalty and I'm going to give that back. But I really like that as an expectation for me. Some people don't need that, you know, or sometimes the people that I'm not super close to, like, I'm not going to always give that loyalty to, I'm going to select my people, give them that loyalty. And that's like, what's important to me, but that again, it may not be important for somebody else. Like you, you, but you have to know what's important to you and what you need and be very honest about that in order to find the right people. Cause otherwise, you know, and I've been there where you're just sitting there people pleasing and people pleasing and kissing people's asses. And it's just, it's not a fun place to be in at all. No, a hundred percent. And I think that's a great point. What you just said, like, it's like almost like love languages. Like we talk about them in like relationships, but they apply in friendships too. Like you're not like, you don't have to be best friends with everybody. You're not going to be. And also like not everyone in your life is going to receive love the way that you want to receive it. And you need to tailor your friendship to that. And yeah, it's hard sometimes. Like I'm the type of person, I'm a words of affirmation and physical touch person. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who are not words of affirmation. Like they don't get like, that's hard for them to do. It's hard for me mm-hmm. to give compliments, but I want to receive them. So I can't expect that everyone's going to give me a compliment all the time. You yeah. know, like you, it's just knowing how people like give and receive love and it applies in friendships too. I think I'm really glad this conversation turned a lot about like the friendship and like the confidence aspect. Cause I think again, like we've been saying it's the most important aspect of it, but for people who like, this is all preventative. The goal is to prevent these situations from happening, but what happens in 
situation where unfortunately you couldn't prevent it and something did happen, whether it's a simple assault or it's sexual assault or something else, like what can people do afterwards, like to help rebuild that confidence and, you know, learn these strategies and hopefully prevent it from happening again and, or from letting that situation affect them. Mm -hmm. And I, and I love this question because I really, you know, yeah, a lot of it does start in our friendships and, and, and so much of it is about, you know, just like mental and emotional sanity and, and feeling okay with your own life and having those friends that you know will support you and have your back and all that. But yeah, there are situations where, you know, especially like we like to encourage people, like go do stuff alone, travel by yourself. You know, you should be allowed to go on walks alone, you know, but just like having, if, if I can't meet all these certain situational self-defense safety tips, like how am I going to add a buffer for that? You know, if I'm going to go out and do X, Y, Z, you know, be intoxicated, have fun. Like my one buffer that can keep me safe is having a friend there, you know, but not everything's perfect. And you're going to have things that happen in life, unfortunately, because there are just ill-intentioned people out there and it's horrible and it's not fair. But I think, you know, when those things happen, all I can speak to are the things that have worked for me. And everybody's going to have such a different healing journey, especially depending on, you know, what exactly happened. I know, you know, probably the most like embarrassing, horrible thing that happened for me was when I was living in Mexico for three months and I was a nanny there. I was just not in a good mental headspace. I did not know how to stand up for myself and was just drinking it all away, got hammered and fell asleep on Monado Beach in Cabo and had my passport, phone, money, everything stolen from me. So, you know, in that moment, that was definitely a rock bottom moment. And the way that I personally came back from that was definitely seeking out professional help. Like I wanted therapy. I wanted to really kind of learn more about myself, kind of, you know, how I got to such a mentally vulnerable, unstable, tumultuous place and have the tools to really kind of deal with things a lot better and set boundaries where they needed to be set. And and I think another big part of that is really looking at the community that you have around you. Because if you have people, like when I, I, so after that happened in Mexico for, I think it ended up being like 99 days. I didn't have like a time limit, but I was like, I'm just going to stop drinking. I need to get my shit together. I started consuming podcasts and I started reading. I started eating really healthy. I, I just needed to get myself right. And the friends that I had at the time that I would go out with, and unfortunately I actually lived with some of them, they, you know, would snigger behind my back about how weird it was or, you know, I was doing my senior thesis on sociopathy and um, psychopathy and just kind of like the role that empathy plays in society and in that. And they would like make jokes about, you know, what I was studying. And I mean, it was just, I mean, it was kind of horrible, but you're, yeah. you're gonna find that pushback when you're doing something different. But I had to go through that uncomfortable phase in order to really learn, you know, first of all, like, wish them well, not my people at that point in life. And I had to learn that in order to create a new community that supported me and really knew me for me as I started to figure out who that was. So, you know, again, there's no, you know, clean way to always do it. It's going to be, it took me a lot of years of stumbling to get to where I am now after that happened. But I just think, you know, seeking out professional help if you can, talking to somebody about it and really creating a strong community around you as you start to learn about who you are and what you need in relationships is typically, you know, a, a couple things that can aid in that painful process coming back from something that's happened. Yeah, absolutely. I think definitely, yeah, it's who you surround yourself. Like they say, you're the sum of the five people closest to you, like you are. And 
if you see that you you repeatedly feel like you are being put into or you are putting yourself into situations that you're not proud of, you know, don't shame yourself for it because it already happened, but you know, take a step back and look at like, what can I do differently this time? Do I need to remove these people? And it doesn't mean I don't love them. I don't care about them, but it's just, they're not my people right now. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I can't see them as often. And yeah, finding what works for you. I, I, I think we've talked about this. Like I had similar, a similar situation. Like, you know, I had, well, I did fall asleep on a beach. Um, thankfully nothing Mm -hmm. got stolen, but, um, in in Spain, also in a different country. Thankfully, I do speak the language. But, um, but I've I had a situation. I don't know if we talked about this one, but in college, where someone I I turned me down. I was talking to them for a little while, and I was like, no, like I'm not gonna sleep with you until like we are like a little bit further, like more established, like knowing this is going somewhere. Like I just not something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had this point in college, I was a senior. Like I had gotten through my like party phase. I wasn't really into casual anymore. I was like, okay, I'm looking for a relationship. Like if we're gonna go there, like cool, but like I need to know this is going somewhere. And he like got upset that I turned him down, mm-hmm. and he started spreading rumors about me that I had diseases and like all these different things. And it was honestly one of the worst experiences of my life. And it was really hard. Like that took a lot of therapy. And it's something I still struggle with today of like knowing when or if I should sleep with them, mm-hmm. even if I really like the person, yeah. because I don't want them to, you know, like get upset if all of a sudden I don't want it or whatever, like all these, and like it, it affects how you, how you operate and how you see yourself oh, yeah. and how you see people. And it took like having, a lot of therapy, but also just really like trying to trust people again, even if it hurts. And that's something that I'm still working on to this day. And that was five years ago is like putting myself in situations where I know I may get hurt, Mm -hmm. but I had to try because if I don't try, the only person I'm hurting ultimately is me. Yeah. Like I, after that, while I was in law school, like I did not sleep with anybody. I did not let myself get close to people truly. Yeah. I, I I had a situation shit that lasted all of law school, mostly because of like if I, I if I would have allowed more, it probably could have been really good. It would have ended it would have ended anyway. It was never going to be forever. But I could have mm-hmm. been a whole different situation had I trusted myself more. It wasn't that I didn't trust him, I didn't trust myself to make good decisions. Yeah. And I think like it's you know, it it I, I don't regret that situation like with either guy because mm-hmm. I learned from it and I grew from it and like you know continuously putting myself in situations safely where I know I can trust someone and if they hurt me you know I took that risk but I gained something from it mm-hmm. and you know learning yeah to pick up cues from like situations like if looking back like I that guy all along there was signs that like he was not a good person he was very shady and probably other things too. Now I know to look out for that when I meet people. And if they give me signs that like, I just don't really like, I don't get a good vibe from, I'm going to not continue to pursue them, you know? Yeah. But it's just giving yourself the opportunity. Yeah, no. And that's like, it's, and I feel like so many people, I mean, that's like a very extreme, extreme example. It's like horrible. I mean, and those kinds of rumors are so personal and it's just like what compels somebody to do that, you know? But I feel like people to some extent can probably relate to that. Just like having a rumor spread about them. And 
and whenever that's happening, I think that the other the, the other great thing about therapy is that you start to not only learn about yourself, but just human behavior in general, right? So sometimes, you know, it doesn't make it better what they did, but it almost helps you like understand really why of, they did it. Yeah. Just, you know, being able to realize it's not personal. It's because it hit their ego. And unfortunately, they decided to take that in such a horrible way and take you down in return. And, you know, when people are, I mean, again, like I just like, I think back to like those times when I was doing something different. And that's literally like, that's what you learn in psychology, right? When, When somebody, you have a group of people that are all doing the same thing and you have one person that starts doing something different, it makes that person have to stop and look at themselves. And you know, maybe brings out something they don't want to look at and it makes them look in the mirror. So instead of looking in the mirror or really kind of rectifying that or feeling okay, okay, that person left, whatever, but like, I still feel good about what I'm doing. Instead of having that healthy, more productive thought process, they would rather really push off their insecurities or whatever it is on that other person and create those rumors or say things about that person. And I think that the more, you know, like we were just saying, the more you start to understand why that person does it, it doesn't feel personal. And it allows you to remind yourself that, okay, I'm doing what's best for me, you know, and as painful as it was, like, like, I mean, you should be so proud of yourself for putting your foot down that you weren't ready to do it, you know, because it can be yeah. really easy. I've done it before where you just go along with it and you just do it because. Hey, and that's the thing I had done you're that afraid. for so long. I had yeah. done like just going along with it not because I was afraid, but just like, I did like them. So I thought like I was supposed to, like, that's the next step, but yeah. I didn't, I wasn't ready for that step yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and I got to the point where I was like, I just don't want to keep doing that. Like I, if I'm going to go there again, like I want it to be the right person. And, yeah, and I'm not going to be I'm afraid really, of losing them. Cause if yeah. they can't respect my boundary and they don't want to wait yeah. and they're like, I'm yeah. frankly, fuck them. Right. Like, yeah, not no, yeah. Like, no. And I'm really like, my saving grace, like, was that I, I I stayed strong and I did not go there with him. And mm-hmm. if I had it, this whole thing would have been a hundred times worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the rumors, like it sucks. But like I said, like I think it's like if people are talking about you, good, bad, or ugly, it's that you have something they want, or yeah, their ego's bruised, they're envious, they're jealous, and it just means that you're doing something right. Yeah, and and, and you've like, stood up for yourself, like you set a boundary and that might make people uncomfortable sometimes, but shit, you know, you put yourself first and that is like the most important thing we can like work up to doing. And it, you know, like you said, that it takes sometimes a lot of not doing it to be able to work up to being able to. And then you start to kind of realize, okay, this is what I deserve. This is what I want in life. And by doing that, you filtered that person out. Like you said, you know, so early on where you could have gotten more and deep in that relationship and, you know, you just never know what would happen. And so I think that again, just you know, bringing it all back, like having that, that self-esteem and confidence is so crucial, knowing what you deserve and working on that so that we can put our foot down to, you know, as painful as it, it is, it is. I mean, again, I, I, I can't imagine. And like, again, something so personal being spread about you, but being able to kind of rise from that and at least have that, that satisfaction that like, I put my foot down for the situation that was not for me. Yeah. No. And I, I looking back, like there was an exercise of when I was in therapy a year later, where my therapist was like, if he were here right now, what would you say to him? And I just stared at her and I was like, I I don't know. Like, she's like, you can kick, scream, yell, throw, punch, whatever you got to do. Like, I'm not here. He's here. Like visualize you see him. Like, what would you do? And I just sat there for a while because there's a million things you think of and there's a million things you want to do. And it's like, all I said was, 
you know, like I will never understand why you did it and I will never forgive you, but I wish you all the best because like clearly something is wrong and you need help. Yeah. And that had nothing to do with me. I was just the one that got hurt in the process, but it had nothing to do with me and knowing like, yeah, that it's not personal. It's not about you. And I think in this case, he was bad intentioned. Not always are people bad intentioned when they hurt you. Sometimes they don't know any better. And so being able to have that compassion and realize like it's not personal. And yeah, it goes back to that, that confidence and that self-awareness. And I think it just came from like, I mean, I was 20 years old. Like I was, you know, I was still in the thick of it. Like I wasn't even, hadn't really even begun to heal truly, Mm -hmm. but that was the beginning of the, the, that was the catalyst for wanting to actually like heal and figure my shit out. But I think because I had been through enough situations before to know like that didn't feel right, that I was able to remove myself when I did. And also like, again, like I'm really like, I don't have a lot of close friends, but I have a lot of acquaintances and like having and like enough people know who I am and even a little bit care about me saved me in that situation where I knew that I had someone that like, if I needed them to come rescue me, I had someone who could come rescue me. But, you know, that that comes with trusting people. And again, it's like, even if you've been hurt before, you can't stop trusting people because Mm -hmm. you're just going to end up alone and isolated. And that's more dangerous. And that makes you more of a target than if you, you know, you did trust people and get hurt because that's life. Like we're going to get hurt. But what Again, what matters is how you respond to it. Yeah. And I think education is really power, you know, just kind of going along those lines. Like when we understand, okay, you know what, if I'm doing something different, people are going to, it's human nature to want to talk bad about that person and make excuses for why they did something different as opposed to looking at what we're doing. Or, you know, if I'm going to, if somebody hurts you, understanding it's probably wasn't even against you. It was more of them doing what's best for them and not caring about you, you know? So it just, again, I just think kind of to, you know, what we've been talking about, like understanding these things, working on yourself, that's really what it all comes down to. It makes these things a lot easier to process and, you know, gaining the tools to be able to kind of handle different things that are going to come at you in life. Yeah, absolutely. For going back to your classes and like the self-defense, like the actual like learning of self-defense, what are some, like, what are like the biggest, like, takeaways you think for someone listening to this or someone who who maybe was is us a few years ago and was mm-hmm. you know learning to start figuring out like different ways that they could work on confidence and skills and tools and you know trusting themselves and trusting others like for someone who's just getting started into this healing and confidence gaining journey like what are some big pieces of advice you have for them well first of all if they're listening to this I'd say that they're probably on the right track you know seeking out different people that really kind of have what you want in life not like materially maybe but more of just like have a mindset that you want and using that person is kind of like a coach you know even if it's not you know you're paying to like get one-on-ones but that's what I did like I found somebody whose mindset I respected who I wanted to kind of adopt and really kind of consuming that material, whether it's books that they've written, whether it's, you know, podcasts, whatever it is, following them on social media, whatever it is, and just really going all in on those things. 
reading different psychology books, understanding these things, getting into therapy, finding, you know, if you need to, some cheap avenues to get that therapy and having professional help, gaining these tools, surrounding yourself with people who want the same thing. And again, that can be, yes, and it should be, you know, having that friend group physically with you that have that same mindset, but also it can be somebody that maybe you don't know personally. Like again, maybe somebody doesn't know you personally, but they like your mindsets. They're, they're tuning into your podcast, you know? And I think that that's kind of the best thing that you can do for yourself is just education, education, surround yourself with like-minded people because it's going to start to affect the routines you have, the thought processes you have. And that's, you know, again, like that works for me. I can give the testimony to it. And I just think that it's, it takes a village. You can't do it all on your own. You have to have help. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that also, I, I would second all of that and also add to that, you know, your village can change over time. And just because someone was your best friend in college doesn't mean that they're going to be your best friend 10 years later in your mm-hmm. mid twenties. And that's okay. And you know, that over time, like you're going to meet people who are in the same mindset and phases you and Mm -hmm. you're you're going to evolve so the people around you are going to evolve and that's okay yeah a lot of times it's in different directions and I'm sure we both had that happen you know where yeah you love somebody and even maybe you still love them to death but it's like we're just different people at this age in life and maybe we'll come back together later but right now we're doing different things we want different things and it's just it's not adding up totally I love that point yeah yeah I think you can love someone from a afar you can care about someone and not want to be around them Mm -hmm. and you know like for example even with this guy it's like I hope he gets like I I, again at the end of the day I'm still like someone who genuinely cares and wants the best for people like I never want to see him again but I don't wish him bad Mm -hmm. yeah for a while I did for sure but now oh yeah that's human nature (laughs) like I I don't wish him bad I I wish he got help because Mm -hmm. he needs it yeah. And, you know, so wanting the best for people because you want the best for yourself, mm-hmm. um, I think is the most important thing. But yeah, thank you so much, Kaylee, for coming on the podcast and talking with us about this. I think so important. And I hope that people will sign up for one of your courses or if they have an organization and they want to bring their cl- the class to the organization. And I know we're going to talk to potentially bring a virtual class to the community sometime in the summer. Um, But yeah, I think I'm so glad that you're doing this and I'm both sad that it took personal experiences for you to get to this point, but happy Mm -hmm. that you channeled it into such a productive way because I think you're doing something really, really great for people. And I think that's, you know, that's what this podcast is about is finding people who who have grown through everything they've gone through and are living their life with a purpose and inspiring others to do the same and channeling all of that. And I think you're a perfect embodiment of that. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can everyone find you? And I will link it all below. Perfect. Well, first of all, thank you for your words and also just your passion about it. Cause I, I mean, it really is, it's so important. And I think that especially as young women, it's so easy to see all these things on social media that freak you out and all these, I mean, even like, like trafficking schemes, you know, like the zip ties on your car, there's not a single report of that being linked to human trafficking, you know, but we still hear about it all the time. And we're so scared about that, the crying baby noises, the markings on our cars. And again, in reality, a lot of those are myths or urban legends. and There's not a single report of them with the U S trafficking hotline. So, you know, there's 
so much. It instills so much fear in us and, and really hinders us from being able to go out and live life and travel alone, you know, do have those experiences we should be able to. Maybe it's just an everyday experience like going to the grocery store and you should be able to do these things and understanding them, how it happens. And really, you know, like I loved how much we touched on the mental self-defense portion because that really is where so much of it starts because typically, you know, trafficking, stalking, domestic abuse, sexual assault, it stems from people that we know and those are typically our perpetrators with those situations. So I appreciate you having passion for it and, you know, being able to speak to mental self-defense, which really is so near and dear to my heart. But if people would like to learn more, I'd say the best free option would be to just follow us on social media. You can go to Everyday Armor Official on Instagram and Everyday Armor on TikTok. Well, I'll link it below. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm.